Hello, and uh, welcome to the latest episode of Rom Doings, where today we're discussing uh, Are Exams Getting Easier? Yeah, that's a controversial topic. Uh, some people say that the kids are just learning harder and getting better at it, but other people... Well, I don't know. I had a look at a few of the exam questions online I saw in the Daily Mail's website, and they had some questions that seemed just... I mean, even my own four-year-old son could have answered some of them. I don't know. So what do you think? Uh... But then again, your four-year-old son is a prodigy. After all, um, I can't even set my video. I have to get your four-year-old son to do it. My video's just sitting there blinking 12 at me. Yeah, and that's where I'm done. Yeah. I can't outdo blinking 12. No. That's the funniest of all observations. No, I, I noticed that you're um, drinking coffee out of a glass today, like mm-hmm. you said in a, one of our previous many podcasts together, yes. that it makes a substantial difference to the aesthetic experience. Are you finding this? I, I think there is a truth that uh, the, the, the sub, well, that to which you drink out of affects the flavour, yeah. um, or at least the experience. So if you, mm. you, you'll know this if you've ever been, you, have you been in Britain long enough to drink out of polystyrene cups? We talked about in, that before. Oh, we're already, we? we're already, <laughs> you're repeating us. <laughs> and I talked about eating polystyrene cups. That's God, we have already. So there you go. But yeah. there's something about the glass, the texture mm. of it, the smoothness. Mm. It makes me happy. Well, I'm uh, today. I'm actually drinking a little bit of rum that you've given me. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually actually have rum on. What the, is on what rum is doings. this? What is this rum? This is Morgan's spiced rum. What spices? Um, Secret herbs and spices. The same, the same ones they put on KFC. That's right. But Colonel Sanders shared it exclusively with with Morgan. Yes. And uh, Simon Morgan, I believe his name was. <laughs> right. Waylon Sanders mm. and Simon Morgan. And this is, I drink almost no alcohol at all. Very occasionally have a, a, a beer, a yes. posh visor. But this I really, really love. It's like an exciting sweetie. That's a good way of describing, actually. Um, alcohol that I like because I actually like you don't drink particularly much I don't particularly like alcohol Mm -hmm. but the alcohol I like is like I suppose as you say an exciting sweetie I have there is um, a wine called Tokai and you might remember remember you His Dark Materials Yes. Oh, no, you, you you didn't finish reading that because it was nasty about Jesus. No, that's not true. That, that's why you stopped. That's absolutely. why you stopped. That's why you stopped reading it. Um, I will not tolerate that. I was halfway through the Emma Spyglass where clearly um, Pullman had horrendous block, and he just started writing this in a circle. And no. I'd read the circle about three times through, and I go, yeah, okay, this book seems to have finished. Okay, now. so he was. However, being... I have since finished the yeah. book. And so he was being it's... nasty about Jesus, and you were upset. That's right. But I was th- furious. But th- How dare you suggest there's anything wrong with the Catholic Church? <laughs> yes. I cried. Which I, which you love as a good Protestant. Yes. So at the beginning of that, if you remember, Lyra Bellacqua's uncle um, was mm-hmm. uh, was serving Takai, and it was oh, poisoned. Oh right. And so we actually, I actually bought some and tried it, and it's a really lovely flavour. It's a, a kind of yeah. pudding wine, and it tastes a bit like distilled sherbet and orange, and the alcohol just gives it that exciting sweetiness mm-hmm. to it. And I like that sort of alcohol. The alcohol well, I, I don't like is just boring beer, which just tastes like dirty dishwater. I think, like, I, 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 I can drink. I, I can't drink Stella or, or Foster's and stuff like that because it's just so unpleasant. But. Like I like. Um, Can you explain warm British beer to me? Warm and how and how well, you to mean enjoy ale. it? Yeah, that sort of warm Stygian swamp that you're supposed to drink uh, tankard of. Can you explain how I can start to enjoy that? Because for me, it just tastes like warm crushed paracetamol in dishwater. I think what you need to do is you need to stop expecting it to be something else. That's the key. I don't really particularly like it, but I think the trick is to stop expecting otherwise. So I think when you when you pick up a pint of ale and you're expecting fresh, crisp, cold lager. It's, of course, just I horrendous. I don't know. I expect some nice root, root beer or orange juice or, okay, or well, a so, Coke. 
but you expect you especially expecting it to be cold, and that and I think it's really important to kind of throw away your expectations before you start drinking it. Um, think the, of it more as mulled wine than it reminds fresh me, lager. It, it reminds me on an episode of uh, Peep Show where Robert Webb's character was going out for a date, and he'd ordered some wine, and mm-hmm. his inter- interior monologue was saying, "Hmm, this wine isn't too bad, actually. Mm, it's okay for wine. Obviously, it's not." delicious like hot chocolate or coke <laughs> that's exactly and, how i feel and i at that moment i thought there is some big conspiracy because nobody actually likes wine yes. they just sort of think it's clever and interesting mm-hmm. and i admit a wine can be interesting mm-hmm. it's a very complex complex and complicated concoction mm-hmm. but it's not delicious is it no oh it's revolting i can't stand wine it's horrible yeah. <laughs> and all it all because i'm because I'm ignorant, it all tastes exactly the same. Red wine, of course, puts me in a coma. But um, white wine just all tastes like white wine to me. Oh, that's white. Shows. I like it when, the rest, when you're in a restaurant with any group of my friends. None of us have the faintest idea. And the waiter does that thing where they pour a little bit of the wine and you <laughs> have to go, taste mm. it to go. And then people go, I just want one day just something to go, oh, this is revolting. Take it back. Is this a 1992? Yes. For me, white wine tastes like vinegar. And uh, red wine tastes a bit like butane. Are you sure you're not accidentally drinking it 100 years in the future? I might be, but I think white wine is very kind of just acidic and sharp, isn't it, generally? It's I not, guess so. It's not particularly nice. The only time I ever it, drink it, white wine, and this is contradictory. It, you know, it's sort of rotten grapes, isn't it? <laughs> I imagine that's probably what it yeah. is. Yeah, you don't want to drink rotten grapes. Con- contradicting my theory that uh, people only drink um, tomato juice on aeroplanes. The only time I ever drink white wine is on an aeroplane, in the vain hope that it will make me feel slightly sleepy. Does it work when it comes to dinner? No, not really. Well, I can't sleep sitting up because no, I don't. I can't do you sleep on your front or your back? Um, I sleep on my side. Oh, you do. But I you... can't actually fall asleep on my back. You know, nor and nor can I. Absolutely, and I think this is my reason why I can't. Why I think I can't sleep on planes, and I think I've spoken enough anecdotal evidence to think there's something in this now that people who sleep on their fronts. All report to me they can't sleep sitting up because it's essentially on your back. You're, you're, you, all you can do is approximate on your backness, mm. and if that's something you can't sleep in in, in a comfortable bed, then you have no hope yeah. in a hateful, scratchy little <laughs> chair with some yes. bastard's elbow wedged into your rib cage. Um, and yeah, so you have no chance at all. The only way I found to sleep in planes, and this is a fantastic tip that no one else knows, is you get one of those little um, those little plane cushions, like one of these, right here. I'm going to hold this up to the microphone. Isn't it? One of those, yes. um, and put it on the chair in front and lean forward into the back of it. It looks like a it looks like a strafed bagel. It looks like a very ill um, slug. I yes. think. But if you just but if you lean forward, I know the person in front has to be asleep, otherwise it's unfair on them for you mm-hmm. to jog their chair. But if you lean all the way forward and just press your head, that approximates being on my front enough that I can start to nod off. You see, that might work, mm-hmm. but I think what might work a bit better is if you go... Um, business, business class, class. yes, yes. <laughs> that might work too. Then yeah, I become really fabulously wealthy. Or, 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 or just go across the Atlantic on the QM2, they have double beds on oh, I would so love to go to America on a boat. I've done but that. It's totally unaffordable. That's I've because you're it. fabulously wealthy. No, it wasn't actually. It's because we there was... Remember when Silverjet... You're the owner of a giant enterprise. Uh, yeah, right. You remember when Silverjet was still around? Uh, vaguely um, and, uh, and one of the reasons they're gone is one of the introductory offers was that um, for, I think it was for £850 or something each you could have a a the, Q, the Queen Mary 2 to mm-hmm. New York and a silver jet business class flight back 
Now, 850 both ways. Yes. Now that was an ex- twice as more than twice as much as I would pay to fly. Yes, but you're also having a, a, a five or six day boat trip with all food included and so on. How do? Because I love the idea. People, it, it, it's as good as you think. People are snobbish about it and say, "Oh well, it's full, full of old people and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff." But I quite like feeling like the youngest person in the universe for a start. It's, <laughs> it's wonderfully rejuvenating to bound up and down the stairs. But also, <laughs> there is a difference between the Queen Mary II yeah. as a ship and just a normal Caribbean cruiser. because it is Or a, prop- a ferry going yeah. to France, which is what I think most people imagine. It, it it, it, it's a proper ocean liner. <laughs> it, it's built to withstand the North Atlantic. It's got the classic lines of an ocean liner. It's right. got much stronger steel. The... Um, the whole front of the ship is tapered in a way to be able to deal with big waves and that kind of thing. And there is something existentially magic about sitting on a boat in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean mm. and just looking out and all you see about you is ocean. And knowing that you're on that bit of the map, that's you're further away from everything else than Ascension Island is, which is what you usually look at in a map. Right. And yet you can also go to a very nice buffet. <laughs> I quite like so that. So the closest I've ever got is going on these 24-hour... When, we when I was a kid... Um, we couldn't really afford to fly on holiday to places. So we, when I was from the age of about 14, I think we started going to, well, maybe 12, going to Sweden and Denmark mm-hmm. on Scandinavian seaways. And it was a 24-hour ferry crossing. Mm-hmm. And so you had that point, obviously, 12 hours in when there was no land in any direction yes. to look at. And that would generally be it at night time. So you could stand out on the on the deck at, at night time and just look out and see nothing in any direction but sea. And that's fantastically exciting. Well, there are there are a number of experiences like that and weird ones that are just kind of maybe personally to me that I find fun is that we were sitting in the middle of the Atlantic mm-hmm. and so think of it this way. The Atlantic is encapsulated in 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 rock, in the in in the in the crust and the mantle and so right. on. So you've got rock, then water, then you've got the boat which is solid. Mm-hmm. And then I sit inside a bath in the boat, which is liquid again. <laughs> right. And then there's me, who is generally solid with mostly uh-huh. liquid inside. And I quite like that many layers of it. And I was sort of sitting in this bath of alternating <laughs> solids and liquids. And I, I just mused that I quite liked that. I was sitting in a bath on the sea. And that just seemed, yeah, it's it's, it seemed, it seemed kind of fun and weird in yeah. a funny way. And I just liked that. Also, I found that Vic- Victoria got very ill. Because of the movement, the ship's oh, movement, she did. Um, uh, and and what was quite, I was fine, which was good because it means I'm not rubbish. Mm. And yes, um, like your wife, <laughs> but no, but she she she'd been boasting to me that you know she'd been on the North ch- Cross Channel ferries and she'd never had a problem mm-hmm. and so on. Maybe the, an ocean liner moves in a different way or whatever. And she spent a day and a half just being totally ill. And I tried bringing her ginger and all that kind of stuff. In the end, I just went to the person and said, "Just give me a pill or something." Yeah. Um, so she took a pill, and half an hour she was better and wanted to eat again. So you know, see, modern I, medicine won again. I'm, well, see, I just don't know. I don't believe in travel sickness. No, I do believe in seasickness because obviously the, the undulating and, motion and, and, and Jesus. Um, <laughs> you believe in Jesus as well. Yeah, let's be honest. Let's, but let's perhaps not relevant to what I'm saying. <laughs> I only believe in no. in, in, in in seasickness Season and Jesus exclusively. <laughs> That's the only things I believe in. Yes, don't believe in butterflies, volcanoes, no. maths, none yes. of those things. No, but um, the travel sickness, car sickness. Yeah. I don't believe that's true. Mm. I don't believe that anyone who hasn't been told it exists would ever experience it. Is it not the same thing as with seasickness, inner ear issues? You just believe that's nonsense. But there's no, there's no undulating motion. You're just travelling forward well, at a, a constant car, a car pace. Joggles, joggle, joggle, joggle. Barely. 
I think it's rubbish. And everyone's like, take, take a couple of these sugar pills before you get on board and you'll be absolutely fine. Obviously, if no one to- I, I get so angry at people telling their children they're going to be trouble no, they shouldn't do that. Make sure you take these pills or you will be sick. Well, of course they're going to be sick if you inform them. This. Put a getting patch the, behind your ear. Getting in the sick-making machine. Make sure you take your anti-sickness pills. Yeah. It seems crazy to me. And I'm sure I'm infuriating everyone because I also don't believe in hay fever. No, I get terrible hay fever. I don't, don't believe in hay fever. I, I wish I could not believe. <laughs> if I just tap my heels together three times and say it doesn't yeah. exist, it's like those horror films. But you're not real. You can't hurt me. Well, it still bloody does hurt me. It makes my it makes me dread summers. I yeah. think I might have confused things I don't suffer from with things <laughs> yes. that don't exist. This cancer nonsense is just a <laughs> load of attention seekers. Absolutely. Yes. On the other hand, you do have you you should talk because you've got a very big made up disease. With your with your joints full of nitrogen and and clicks, <laughs> I hypermobility syndrome. Hypermobility syndrome. How can you talk about hay fevers not existing when you suffer <laughs> from hypermobility syndrome? Well, it's I got, I got diagnosed with this a couple of years ago because I've all my joints click and I've strained yeah. and bendy and my hand my fingers bend all the way back and do all sorts of horrible things. Um, I went to a doctor about a problem I was having with my elbow. My ulnar nerve is trapped in the ulna. Mm. And so when I bend my left arm past 90 degrees, I get terrible pins and needles. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so I went along, and this was, and it had got diagnosed through that problem, uh, where they, the doctor realised my elbow goes back too far, and then he found that my knees do this, he took at my fingers, and he said, he go, quickly, get onto the bed. He was very excited, this doctor. And he got my legs, and sort of bending them, pushing them, and he was like, this is fantastic. He was all <laughs> excited, and it, it turns out I have hypermobility syndrome and he was excited because he'd heard about it but never actually seen it in real life no doubt um, people can look it up on wikipedia well i'm sure they can the uh and i got back from the doctors and just looked it up out of interest to find out mm. more about it and um brilliantly found a, a society of people who suffer suffer right. from hypermobility <laughs> syndrome, and and their great anger is that no one takes it seriously and you said well i've got it and i don't take it I, I, seriously. I said, just close the website down again it's hilarious so you know we want more rights for the hypermobile <laughs> more rights for people's joints <laughs> all it means is all that hyperability means is your joints it's not not as simple as being double jointed but it means your joints bend past in a freakish way the point where they're meant to stop and so my i went to the i had to go to the doctor this week actually because i have a problem with my knee i may have to have an operation it's very exciting mm-hmm. um and he was and this is the new doctor and he was saying oh yes i see what you mean and he said so my knee bends a good 15 degrees past straight right which is un, very unusual will that be under general or local anesthetic i have no idea i always want to have operations under local so i can watch yeah i had my appendix out a couple of years ago and i didn't have i was in so much so much pain, and then unfortunately, on so much morphine that uh, I was unable to articulate that I wanted to watch. Tell me what you think of morphine. I hated it. Really? Because people really sometimes people it. really like it. Well, indeed, if you, I mean, and I, I think some would argue that if you are born of an addictive gene, then it's going to mm. click with you immediately. And if what did not, you feel it was like? It felt like I was. I had it once before, uh, many years ago. I had DF one one eight, I think, which is another uh, another. Um, uh, um, oh, my brain's just gone blank. It's just horrible for a podcast. Yes, um, uh, you opiate, know, another opiate. opiate. Um, yeah. And so these opioid drugs are very—they're all, you know—they're all essentially heroin. So you didn't find it moorish? And no, not in the slightest. And what happened was I feel detached. And so when I was lying in this. Some hospital, people like that feeling. But I was lying in this hospital bed. Um, I can't believe you haven't turned your phone off after I the fuss you made. It off to make sure fuss it you made make to any, me. Make any noise? Um, uh, so lying in this hospital bed with um, all this morphine put in me, and I felt like I wasn't touching the bed like I was floating above it and I, I desperately wanted to stand up so I could feel corporeal again and, and, and I couldn't and mm. I just felt this d- deep frustration and, and I hate a really really unpleasant experience now you know what the Holy Spirit goes through day in day that's out that's what it's like if only I could be corporeal <laughs> that's true Patty and Casper 
Casper suffers the same way. <laughs> Do you think the Holy Spirit and Casper are mates? Yes, I very much assume <laughs> they hang out in the friends. spirit bar. If I were one the of my housemates, bar. I would have pointed out how. Yes, I see what you've done there. Yeah. That I would have pointed out that how they're both fictional characters. Ah, to take another jibe. Yeah. So Let's stop reducing everything back down to mocking me for being a Christian, shall we? Why? I don't know, it just seems like a dull theme. I think for me, we'll allow, I suffer think, from... I think, suffer, you suffer from hypermobility syndrome and, and, and being a mocking Christian. syndrome. That's true. So I love that it's called a sin, but it's a genuine thing but of almost no import. So it, the, the worst thing that comes with hypermobility syndrome is uh, you have a 20% increased chance of getting um, osteoarthritis in later life. Right. And that's it. Just not... not a 90% chance, a 20% higher chance right. of getting it. Mean, it's n- absolutely the naffest thing It's not ever. even worth talking about. No, it wasn't worth the 10 minutes we just did on it. No, not at all. Not in the, late, in the least. But it's very exciting I get to have an operation on my knee to try and stop it from being rubbish. Well, well I had... Only once in my life I had a general anaesthetic. Oh, yeah. And it was... When, when, I, was, um, when I was young, for some reason, I think it was because I'd had some antibiotic which my system... Um, reacted badly to and basically killed... Another one of these made-up allergies. Well, the problem is it, 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 it represented itself in a very non-made-up way and that it killed all my platelets. Oh. So so I had idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpurea, mm-hmm. um, and which which basically meant that, effectively translated, that means um, you're getting little spots on you because your blood vessels are bursting because your platelets have died and we don't know why. Here's what I remember of the name that you just said. Idiot puree. That's basically That's what, what it is. I remember. And that. and basically, what ha- what happened was um, they had to find out whether it was just this um, whether it was just this antibiotic, right. um, or whether it was something more serious. You know, it could be who knows. Uh, you know, a bone marrow disorder or something like that. So they had to do a bone marrow biopsy. And when you're very young, the way it, it, that, that hurts a lot, so they did want to do it under general anaesthetic. Okay. Now, I was becoming increasingly hysterical about this because I don't like the notion How of How old were you? I think I, I was about eight or nine or something right. like that. And I don't like to be put to, put to sleep. Still don't, <laughs> I don't like the notion of sleep. I distrust it. And, okay. and the notion of being put under, self, uh, un, uh, under um, unconsciousness is, is very disquieting. Right. Um, and so they decide they try, and I was swearing blind. I was very angry about this and so on, saying, "Why the hell do you need to?" But do you this were eight, so you were saying, "I no, I think pee, I, pee, no, no, pee, I think no, I think I was actually reserving my full wrath for this. <laughs> right. And we had our, 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 my our, our, the, the pediatric GP whom we'd had since I was a baby was there, mm-hmm. and he always tried to do his um, little jokes and things like that. And I just basically said, "Oh, piss off" or something like that. Yeah. I wanted any, and they and they finally said, "Well, let's convince him. We'll bring some other children." who've had, um, in the hospital, who've had general anaesthetic. So they brought a cancer child, <laughs> and the cancer child said to me, don't worry, it's just like dying. <laughs> and I didn't find that particularly helpful. For some reason, it didn't calm me. Oh, okay, then. <laughs> oh, it's dying. <laughs> That's fine. As long as it's not like sleep. Yes. So, I, I, and you know, then they did the whole countdown from five, four, three, mm-hmm. two, one thing, and and, they, and it is a very unpleasant, weird sensation. Yes. So, if I were you, I would have it under local, not under. Should we gym. listen to my knee on that? Should we see if I can listen? If we can listen to it, try. Oh, I didn't click. It didn't do it this time. Oh my there god, that's go. unpleasant. Just by. Kidding. I like to think that spike was the click. Yes. on there. I, I, you, I don't. Well, think... that's what I'm hoping to have it go, have go away. And then you'll be able click. to go running. 
and then I'd be able to sit on aeroplanes without feeling like I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, so I've had I've had a few GAs. I had one when I broke my arm when I was eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my excellent scar here That's from that. I, I've never broken a bone. How? Did, what did it feel like when you broke it? Very very painful. But how painful? Oh, I, I, I compare it in the annals of pain. To, uh, there's a there's a point of pain where it's more pain than you you can deal with, and it starts to become no pain again. I yeah, think. Or just it's kind ridiculous. of that shock. I think you're in enough shock that it doesn't hurt so much and so I, I have very little memory I remember the nurses and getting fruit pastels from a pretty nurse I remember that mm. um, that's about it and I was stuck in hospital for three days then and I had the general anaesthetic twice one to put the pins in and one to take them out mm-hmm. and then um, I had one for when they operated on my nose and did the wrong operation that was a great time <laughs> uh, and then, bloody NHS and then my yeah bloody NHS mm. and then my um, my appendicitis Oh yes, was that where a GP so, almost killed you? Or? No, no, that was the NHS director almost killed me. Oh yeah, the NHS director. Yeah. NHS director is ridiculous. It was a peculiar night because you know when you have stomach ache, it hurts, right? Stomach mm. ache hurts quite a lot, and it hurts a little bit more than you ever think it's going to. Mm. Especially when you've got the worst of all is the trapped wind. Yeah, and it's just all bubbling around in there, and, it's and just, it won't go. You do you do bicycles on your back, and it just doesn't come it does, out. Yeah. It does. And it's a stabbing pain, and it's just and it's just excruciating, and and you're not allowed to complain because all it is is a bit of trapped wind. Mm. So that's the position you start with with appendicitis because it feels like a bit of trapped wind. And the interesting thing about appendicitis pain is it doesn't start in your bottom in the bottom right of your belly. It starts up higher and moves its way around there. Mm. It's kind of that's quite a useful diagnosis for appendicitis of the pain moving down and to the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, again, I just you know that made me think trapped wind because it was moving, uh, and so I was. But I got to this point where I was in so much pain that I became delirious to the point where I was walking around and around my room in circles, staggering because I could barely because mm. I could barely stand up. But this in, in, these insane circles of pain until eventually at about four in the morning, in just more pain than I'd ever known, I phoned NHS Direct. And you, the, what happens is you speak to a essentially a phone operator at first, a kind of I think even not even a nurse. And if they deem you worthy, they will arrange for a nurse to phone you back. Yes. And so then eventually the nurse phones me back. And then she realises it's beyond nursing, so she needs to get a doctor, and eventually a doctor fakes back. So about 45 minutes after my first call, yeah. I speak to a doctor, who says to me, oh, it sounds like gastritis. Not gastroenteritis, he said, but gastritis. Have a sandwich and you'll feel a lot better. Which is peculiar, in, and I'm, I, we have to give him some benefit of that because I was deliriously in pain, so maybe I'm misremembering it, maybe I'd gone mad. But I, first of all... It didn't sound like gastritis. And second of all, the treatment for gastritis, gastroenteritis, is to not eat for 24 hours, <laughs> is to fast. So having a sandwich, and I did what I was told, a doctor told me, so I had a sandwich, which of course meant I'd eaten immediately before my general anaesthetic oh, right. as well, which is even better. Yes. Um, and eventually I phoned my parents at about seven in the morning, who said, phone an ambulance and go to hospital, you idiot. Yeah. So my housemate drove me to hospital. And um, yes, I was very quickly diagnosed. Did you get to keep it? No, I didn't. I didn't really. Appendices, appendices, appendices I suppose, yeah. are quite revolting objects. I would have quite liked to have seen it. No, I mean, I'd have no, squ- I'd have no squeam about it. I just don't really want... I don't really have any use for one. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> don't you miss it? My grass digesting has really gone down the pan. <laughs> yes. Since then. Yeah. No, it's quite exciting to have a proper actual illness, an emergency. It's quite exciting. How to long be in did you situation. stay in the hospital? I was stuck in there for about, I think it was two or three days. I actually, oh, I was at the point of discharging myself. Overheated hospital. I was. It was. Um, it was 
a hospital in Bath where they were so overcrowded that they'd opened up an old Victorian wing. And I do not exaggerate when I say it was an old Victorian wing that hadn't been updated since. To the point where it was so out of date and so disused that it didn't have stands for blood bags. So I had a nurse standing on the frame of the bed that I was sleeping on. These are the ancient old metal beds with the creaking bars across them. And she was stood, hooking her feet inside the bars, hanging my blood bag, or my, my drip bag, over the edge of the curtain rail. I mean, it was, I wish I was making this up. I wish I were, were making were, this up. I wish I were making this up. But the... Um, I wonder how that is for people listening, because I'm perfectly used to your correcting my grammar. Fine. But uh, I wonder how it is for people listening to experience that. Well, people listening will have their grammar correct That's as well. true, and they'll feel better and <laughs> become stronger and prouder and more productive. Yes. Anyway, so yeah, that, this, that was a, this ludicrous situation of this, this room that was genuinely not capable of, of withstanding patients. And there were no... There's no privacy. There were sort of curtains pulled around each bed, mm. but I could. I was bed bound, tied to the drip, and so I couldn't pull my own curtain. I remember one night this this revoltingly awful woman. The most of the nurses were great, but this woman was just a bitch. Mm. She was a horrible, awful human being, and she made me wee in front of the entire ward. She wouldn't pull. She wouldn't take me off the drip, so I could just go to the toilet. She made me pee in one of those stupid little cardboard boxes, mm. and then she didn't pull the curtain, so I had to we in front of the entire ward of people. Why did she do this? Because I, I think she was some sort of evil old witch. Right. That's my theory. Well, you should, they, should, they, 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 they try not to allow evil witches into the hospitals, but sometimes they make it through she also didn't give by smuggling my... themselves in as a, as, a, as a bat. That's true. She mm. also didn't give me my anti-sickness bed, so I bathed. And I'm, I'm very angry about this because I hadn't been sick since you, 2000. You vomited, you vomited. We're not in the United States of Yanklan now. <laughs> So I vomited copious water all over the floor. And I hadn't been sick since 2000, and it broke my eight-year run of not being sick. And I was absolutely furious. Oh, I, I, I've had better vomiting than that. Um, uh, when, I, um, when I had uh, idiopathic thrombocytopenia, I... <laughs> idiot puree? I, I, when I had idiot puree, well, yeah. it, I certainly got some idiot puree because I, uh-huh. I got a nosebleed. Oh, yeah. And, of course, when you get a nosebleed, when you have ITP, it doesn't stop. So okay. it just continued and uh, continued... Hours and hours was going into into my stomach. You know, I'd put mm-hmm. my head back and continue, and then into my stomach, and then of course my stomach would eventually Vomited, have too yeah. much, and then I'd be vomiting out copious gushes of blood into a pan, and then come down again, and I'd vomit up chunks of half. And weirdly, my my stomach was able to clot it because of the acid, right. and and the only thing that gave me comfort while this was happening and that replenished me was Fanta grape. Oh, yes. Which, because I don't have in this country. So, Aww. so um, my when I remember Fanta grape, I remember the, remember it as medicine. So yes, vom- <laughs> vom- vomiting blood is probably the the most unpleasant thing I've ever been involved in. I don't think anything... I can imagine. Although it makes me furious when people say to tip your head back when you have a nosebleed. It's it hasn't been. It was realised as the stupidest thing you could do, which is to consume blood. Yes. About twenty years ago, and yet every TV program and ever anyone has a nosebleed, they tip their head back. You tip your you pinch the bridge of your nose and tip your head forward such that no blood pours down your throat into your belly causing you to vomit and you and you prevent the bleeding with the pinching there is only one thing that i'm very thankful for yeah that happened at the time um yeah pinching and whatever didn't really work for obvious reasons and eventually they thought well i'm gonna have to have a blood transfusion and the they didn't they didn't find any blood they couldn't find any they didn't have any stuff they just gave plasma or something Mm -hmm. and then saline and that was it 
I'm very happy they didn't find any blood because this was Africa in oh. the nineteen in the nineteen eighties, and right. it, I would have <laughs> chances are yes, I would be Michael Stipe now. Mm-hmm. What do you think he does, Michael Stipe? No. Did you say you think he's that's just veganism then? Yes, I'm certain, absolutely <laughs> right. certain. So, 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 he didn't take so is my vast team of lawyers. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't say certain. what. He's just a bit gaunt. He's a very trim young man. Quite old now. That's true, they are old, aren't they? I saw them live, you know. When? Uh when they released Monster, whenever that was. What do you think of Michael Stipe's voice? I like it very much. I preferred it in the eighties when he was a folk singer. I can see it working in folk. I find it sounds a bit strained when he sings uh, pop. Um, <laughs> and weirdly, I feel there's an affinity with Phil Collins. Oh, no, that's I, not fair. I, there's a, no, I'll tell you why. There's a certain nasal uncleishness. See, now you were insinuating Michael Stipe having terrible diseases, and for which <laughs> I imagine he'd be furious. But suggesting that he's like Phil Collins, now he does, should no, sue his voice, you. His and voice. I, uh, I I'm not saying his voice sounds like, Mike, uh, uh, okay. l- like Phil Collins, but there is a certain... Aspect of it, like like an uncle trying too hard, <laughs> which is Phil comes like an uncle's visiting you at Christmas and I'm trying to sing along in the carols, and it's got that sort of sound. I want to, to celebrate my favourite of your um, descriptions of someone's singing voice, which has stuck with me ever since. Which was uh, Rick Astley? Can you remember? Uh, yes, I do remember. Yeah. Which, so you want to say how Rick, what Rick well, Astley well, sounds well, like? Well, well, you you can because you remember it. That's He's probably Rick better Astley. than I do. I'm seeing Rick Astley, and of course this is pre Rick Rolling, so this is way like, before. Yeah, everyone yeah. knows who Rick Astley is probably now. Ten, is, fifteen years ago, when, when no, about ten, ten years ago, ten years ago, it was yeah. ten, yeah, because it was soon um, after I knew. He said uh, Rick Astley sounds like a witch cast a spell on him halfway through a yawn. Exactly. Which is just perfect. But it does, and when, when I think about it, that's exactly because... And, and it's interesting, it's... <laughs> but it's not, it's, it, it's not just... Whilst he's got the most extreme version of it, if you listen to a lot of nine, early 80s new romantic right. music and that sort of stuff, there is this weird tone where they're singing slightly deeper than their natural voice right. is, so they open their larynx more than they should. I mean, <laughs> gold... <laughs> you know, it, it's got. I don't think we have to worry about paying PRS fees on that. <laughs> I don't. <think laughs> look, look at the spikes over there. It's beautiful on the graph. Yeah, I, I we think... mustn't discuss the graph because no one else can see it unless they're listening with some silly plug-in. The graph doesn't exist. No, the no. graph is only in your mind. Yeah, uh, John, would you like to talk about this? Uh, the mechanics of this podcast and your. Your doubting Thomas moment? No. I'd like to talk about Lethal Weapon 2, though. Go on. I watched Lethal Weapon 2 the other day, because obviously it's one of the greatest films of our generation. It's probably in the latest media studies exam, because exams are so much easier than they were. Oh, so much easier. Yes. I imagine it's probably in the chemistry exam. Yes. (laughs) You know, all the diehard with a vengeance, probably, would be. Anyway, um... Lethal Weapon 2 was in a a, pre, uh, a pre-post-apartheid South Africa, uh, was the story. I guess that's the only correct way you can describe it. Well, the pre-post-apartheid is pre-post-apartheid is apartheid. That's what I'm saying. So it's in pre-post-apartheid. You just say it's in apartheid. No, I ref- absolutely refuse to say <laughs> Pre-post. That. Pre-post-apartheid South Africa. It's, of course, it's set in America, but um, the baddies are all South Africans. Yes. Uh, with, um, oh, the terrible, like, see freaking Josh Ackland and his spunky backpack as the... Uh, as the evil baddie I'm Jos Aglin Jos Aglin is absolutely furious Um, and then lots and lots of British actors doing terrible Afrikaans actors there is nobody who 
there is no accent that's done worse than a South African accent because people get it completely wrong. Um, well, Joe Sackland is at least South African, so he had it. He probably got it slightly wrong as well. <laughs> I can't even do it properly now. Um, but there is people just get the vowel sound completely wrong. It's not even slightly wrong. It's just they totally. Um, it's when they go. They they I remember they go look at the blicks. Mm-hmm. No, that's not that's not actually the the vowel to use at all. Or what is it? What is the correct vowel then? Um, See now you don't know. Well, it's probably closer to black. Okay. Blick. Yeah. Blick. Because that's the joke of the big lethal weapon two joke is Which when is... Danny Glover is attempting to uh, ask for um, asylum into South Africa or to move to South Africa, and the man behind the desk says, "He says well, you can't," and he says, "Why not?" He says, "Because you're blick." Yeah. And then and that's the famous line. You see. see? Or seeth ifrikin. That's how it's all. Whereas actually, what happens is that the it, it's much closer to if you want to do a passable South African accent, mm-hmm. do a Brummy accent and then oh, really? mix in a bit of New Zealand. New Zealand, I was going to say New Zealand with Brummy. Right. But when I listen to Brummy people talk like this, you can tone that into a South African oh, accent yeah. a lot better. What people the mistake people make is that they start with an Australian accent and start toning that, and it's wrong because actually the Australian vowel sounds and diphthongs are, are quite different. Well, the, the interesting thing about Lethal Weapon 2 is that the, 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 the key story is that um, Joss Ackland is the uh, ambassador. I've not actually seen this. Nonsense. And as well, you should watch it, it's, it's horrendous. Mm. Um, as the ambassador, he can commit any crime at all right. and the law can't touch him. He's got diplomatic immunity. Yeah, but that'll only work once and then he'll be sent back to his home country. But, so what they're doing, or what I've learned from this film, is that all uh, white South Africans mm-hmm. are um, gold smuggling... Yeah. Drug smuggling, mm-hmm. evil racists. Is yeah. it, would you say that's true? Yeah. Okay, so, so I wanted to know is whether it was so the film was telling the truth. Yes. Yes, of course. I mean, it sounds apart from Kensit. What's her name? Who married the Gallagher? What's her name? I don't. Know. Patsy Kensit. Yes, it must you get be. to see her boobs in Do that you? film. Yeah. Are they acceptable? <laughs> that's a very peculiar question. Are they acceptable? They're very lovely. Okay. So they are acceptable. She does a terrible South African accent all the way through that. For you to enjoy, you should watch it just for that. That. that that and that bloody spitting image song really caused me so much. Okay, people probably don't remember this, but caused me the, so many problems. When I can I imagine was there was a, a, a hundred and fifty years ago, spitting image released a song called um, "Stick a Chicken in the Air." Yes, and the words were "Stick a chicken in the air, put a dexter up your nose, fly a jumbo jet, and then bury all your clothes, paint your left knee green, and then that's it." I can't remember mm. beyond that. And the, and this came out on obviously on vinyl because yeah. as, as was the era. And then on the other side, of the, on the B side, was yeah. a song called "I've Never Met a Nice South African." Yes, which uh, even at the time I remember being slightly astounded by. I don't know who wrote it. Is it in, in his lop? No, I think it was Punt and Dennis. Do you think was it there? Uh, well, I've heard that it was only one well, or both of them. Yeah. Now, explain. I've never me. met a I've never met a nice South African. Now that's not, not bloody, bloody surprising, surprising, men, because they're all what they're all ignorant. Remember. Bastards, and they all hate black people. Something. I think that was the lyric. And and obviously it was during apartheid, so you know, so white South Africans weren't people's number one nation. Yes, but I, even at the time, I remember hearing, "Isn't that horrendously racist?" Well, generalising, it's not the white South African. It's not. And a it's not a nice white South African. It's prejudicial, uh, and it's and it's generalising, and it's childish, and wasn't particularly well written. Can you imagine? I've never met a nice Pakistani. I've never met a nice Nigerian. <laughs> I can imagine with their four one nine nonsense. <laughs> 
can you imagine? I just it's just unfathomable that spitting image of all people of satirists were writing well, such well, peculiarly my, my, prejudiced no, crap. No, I, I I have a feeling that and I'm not going to go into alternative comedy here, <laughs> but but there was a great repression as part right. of alternative comedy because you had to repress feelings of bigotry and sexism mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So rather like when you press down on a waterbed, the lump right. has to pop up somewhere else. Okay. And I think. Uh, it, it came up there. I think it's uh, probably a similar reason why people find useful things to sublimate their unpleasant feelings into. I, I would argue controversially that uh, Israel plays a similar role today. <gasps> Gasp! Yes. So, oh, it, it's quite interesting um, that uh, we mentioned the I word. Um, uh, one of um, what we we have an association in my company with people who design websites. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain Jewish organization that has uh, associations with Israel. Right. And this, these web designers, they got the contract and somebody looked them up on Wikipedia and all his design team refused to do the website because of the association and, he, and the boss had to do it himself. My goodness. So um, it's going far and wide these oh, days. It is. I, I obviously won't mention any names now. No, but clearly. It, it's, not, it's relatively innocuous. So I would argue for all the um, mealy-mouthed lefties who are listening to this, and I am relatively lefty-wish and mealy-mouthed. But it's really interesting how... You know, analyse, analyse. But I think that well, we could talk a whole podcast about uh, about that. It's, I was going to say, but it's more interesting... Um, you're absolutely right. And it's interesting the whole kind of... When you talk about being mealy-mouthed lefty, and you feel like you almost have to point out that, that you know, I'm quite lefty. I would say that you're left toward communist. Yes. I'd say your father left then. Well, I feel, I feel I've been abandoned by... I would people. say I probably am as well, I the people, say. The people who call themselves left today mm. are, are, are odd because effectively they're generally isolationist. They yep. don't believe in any particular brotherhood of man values, which is where I'm very much from. So they will say, oh, well, it's okay for you to abuse your women because that's your yeah. culture. That's actually a very... Well, how uh, tolerant. How yeah. very tolerant yeah. is the culture. Uh, uh, and and there, there's just a general feeling abroad that um, the left is intellectually uninteresting at the moment, which is, mm-hmm. un- which is sad because I always thought of the right as the baddies. Yes. As did oh, you. Yeah, as stupid and the baddies. Yeah. Because they were. And to suddenly realise actually the left are behaving like that as well comes as much more of a betrayal. Um, uh, it absolutely. You kind of feel like there's there's nowhere left to turn. No, there's... if you can't turn left, you can't run right, and straight ahead is certainly not allowed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's kind of, do you start walking backward? Is that the option? Yes, into a into a brick wall. But there is there is a definite issue in that. Mm. Um, I don't think it's just getting older and becoming more disillusioned. I think that. Um, Politics is in a state of weird confusion at the moment. I can't adequately describe what it means to be left no. right at the moment. Um, you know, you have, an, uh, you have a Tory party who wants to uh, ostensibly pull out of Afghanistan. Is that left wing or right wing? I have no idea. Exactly. What that um, is. They start talking about abolishing grammar schools, which I suppose is left right wing, but they have to defend the NHS. But of course, and yet, as a, as a party, have been. Talking about privatizing the NHS yes, for decades. Exactly. Um, it's just it's just very odd um, and very blurred and very peculiar the way that we can't actually meaningfully talk about left. Just define what left wing means. Just try this. It's like you suddenly get something you're talking about all the time. Do you not now have to just start to use more specific terms like socialist? Yeah, rather but than... define what left wing means. That's the point. If you say, "Oh, they're of the left," what do you mean? I think what you mean now is not right wing. I think that's the simplest definition. Okay, of and it. define right wing. 
um, bigoted. <laughs> so you're saying left-wing people can't be bigoted? I, and exactly, there are plenty and of left-wing bigots. Of course. But, you know. no, 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 I think you're right. I think the two terms That's have the become problem. completely useless. I think, well, especially because I think in the past parties were based on... I don't mean this in a kind of nostalgic, wasn't it great then? But I mean, I think parties were based on principles. But also so, strong, strong economic differences. Yeah, and so you, but they, they were they were your principles too. You had a set of core principles that defined you as a left wing or right wing party. Now a party is defined by what they think will win, mm. and so uh, you have, they always wanted to win. So, so you have a centre right Labour Party and a far right Conservative Party because everyone knows that right wing is now wanted because we've had left wing for twenty years and people are fed up. But have we? Of course, we we've had a. Det- Deterioration of left wing. Have we really? Right. I don't know. I, mean, I don't mean there's all oh, to no, totally no, be lie, but I, <laughs> I don't know what we've had, and I don't know what I don't even know. Well, I think we've had this kind of confused centrist. But is it centrist? I mean, sometimes it feels very far right, other times it feels far left. That's it, it's a yeah. total. It's like everything's been put in a food processor, and you <laughs> and you've got this weird mulch left, and you can't tell what's. I think what's probably kind of exciting about all this confusion is that in America the term socialist is gradually not becoming a swear word. Really? Very slowly and interesting. No, I think Obama is, is making socialism really? a term that people... Had, not not in a way that you could get elected if you said you were a socialist. You'd still, of course, be in prison. But um, I think people mm, on television... Socialist then, means paedophile. <laughs> it, it certainly did, and it still did in the last election. It was still a term that... You know, McCain was accusing Obama of being a socialist. And Obama obviously is a socialist but it's a term that he can't use. Uh, but I think TV presenters and socialists are beginning to come out and use the word quite openly now, and not in a way that makes the people, everyone in the room go, well, it, suck it, through their teeth. It, it was Bush who nationalised huge chunks of the United States' economy and its um, means of exchange. So, you know, he did the greatest statist action, if you want to um, believe that uh, the centralised, economically powerful state is... Socialism. George Bush was the greatest <laughs> socialist president there ever was, in in in, in literal terms. So, right. you know, it's it's a, it's difficult to tell what's going on anymore, John. I don't know. It's not like the good old days when you. Well, it was easy, Maggie, 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 out, 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 and that's all you needed to know. That's right. You just have to put your Mark Steele head hat on. And do you remember? What, you know what's incredible? What's that? Michael Foot is still alive. It is incredible. Uh, he's one of those people you think what no surely not yes he is <laughs> do, you, do you have any of the other, others of those whom you can mention um, Jimmy Savile always surprises me that he's still going yes and I'll tell you who really surprises me the the people who what are their names the people who wrote Hancock's Half Hour in the 50s oh um, well Galton and Simpson yes I think they wrote that stuff that sounds weird on BBC 7 that's played back mm-hmm. and is only in mono and yet they're still compass mentors and alive today, even though all their creations have died. That's <laughs> true. <gasps> Maybe it's a curse. Yes. <laughs> Golden and Simpson curse. Yes. Jimmy Tarbuck, he's another one. Oh, yeah, but he's not that old. I mean, Lee's... But, but he probably, Le- probably Le- is quite Tarbuck old. I bet he is relatively old. Yeah, all the Pythons are hitting 70s next That's year. That's upsetting. That's disturbing. Des O'Connor. You don't like things from the past, do you? I don't like things from the past when... when I, For example, when I'm listening to something and... Mm-hmm. All or most of the people on it are dead. I don't like that. So I've just been watching, um, because I'm so um, uh, profoundly heterosexual, just been watching a b- bunch Grr. of 1950s uh, musical uh, cinema. Yes. And I watched um, things like Singing in the Rain and mm. um, the, Bar- the, the Barclays of Broadway. Um, <laughs> yes. it's, uh, Singing in the Rain is an absolutely stunning film. It's 
it's superb. It's way I'd never seen it before, and it's far better than I'd ever imagined. And it's not just a bunch of irrelevant musical numbers that crashing into one another. Recommendation for the week that everybody go to see it. <laughs> absolutely, and then uh, I saw an American in Paris. I see it. Absolutely beautiful films, um, and. I've crushingly forgotten the entire point of, of all this. What were we talking about? Um, you you were talking about um, dead. People. Oh, that's right. And I did get a little twinge of the of of everyone in this is dead. Hmm. And it was it was and it's only especially the 50s. when they're doing they're being so vivacious and jumping about yes, and singing right. and running and that they're all dust now. <laughs> it's horrible. I, and so I began to get a little hint of what you were talking about, mm. about the kind of morbidity of, of it. And yet, but I, I just think that's... And in a sense, television, television and um, films I can cope with, it's where it's a radio programme and people discussing things and they're talking straight into your ear. Right. And it's a voice from the past. That's particularly spooky and uh, unsettling to me. Um, that's why I don't like BBC Seven very much. You know, okay. I uh, certainly wouldn't... Uh, it's not just when they play things like um, Little Bindings in the Marshes and all that <laughs> kind of nonsense. I mean, remember, comedy used to be terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, it's only recently that it's gotten better. Yes. Uh, uh, unlike exams. And... <laughs> And uh, but more recent things where you listen to something and Graham Chapman's on it and he's no longer alive and mm. things like that. It's just little tinges of there's a there is an active mind present in a voice that's entering your mind and yet it's no longer existent. And I, I find okay. that weird. At the same time that you're hearing it in your ear in the present, but it's just a shimmer. I find it more upsetting when I hit turn on Radio Seven and hear Punt and Dennis. And huh. they're still alive. That man upsets me that they're still alive. The now show. The now show. <laughs> One day you'll be listening, and that'll be the then show. Oh, that'd be good. My cat is going insane. I'm just going to go and deal with my cat. You entertain. Me. Well, it's already it's it's 44 minutes and 25 well, seconds. So shall I just say goodbye? Well, okay. Do, do you want to let? No, then that, that the cat's done that thing. You've opened the door for it, and it's run away. Yes, well, it wants feeding. That's all he wants. Right. Okay. Well, say say goodbye, John. Uh, goodbye, John. <laughs> See what I did? I did a uh, joke. Think from of it the this past. way. One day, mm-hmm. people might be listening to these very utterances and yes. will be dead. That's true. How exciting. And that's why exams are getting easier. They are. The youth of today. The youth of today.